Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you. The Lord be with you. In this text that stands in verse 12 of the prayer that we're looking at, Matthew chapter 6, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And when this prayer is repeated elsewhere in, in the Gospels, you will sometimes read, forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our trespasses. Now, there, there's a lot of confusion over this, actually. Um, as well as in many believers, there's confusion over forgiveness. There are some dear brothers and sisters in Christ and they go forward every week to get forgiveness all over again. Um, now, we've got to understand what this means. This is our prayer. And when we pray, he said, pray this, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Okay, let's, take, let's stand back a bit. This request along with all the other requests in this prayer, is about the family. That is the family of the Father, God's family. And that is underscored in, what is it, Ephesians 3.14. And it speaks of this family of the Father, where we, the sons and daughters, you and I, our brothers, uh, we're brothers and sisters. Um, and, and, and Jesus, would you understand me if I said he's the elder brother? He is God who became one of us to be our brother, to be bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh. What a, what a thought, what a thought. And this whole prayer is the family prayer. In that sense, it's not for everybody. It, it begins with Father, Abba. Well, only those who the Spirit witnesses that you are his child. You can say that, Abba, through Jesus Christ, you, you're part of the family, you see. And, and did you notice last week there was something inserted into the prayer? Um, well, it's real. I say there, it, it was there at the beginning. At the beginning, he said, Our Father. That is, you, you're not praying this all by yourself. Um, but then it comes really full on last week in verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Did you notice? Give us, us, this day our. So there's more in this, what shall I say, in the Holy Spirit virtual room. Because we're in this room, in, in this abiding place, in the presence of the Father. We're there with, with every other believer, we're all there together. And we're praying this, conscious of each other. This isn't just 
me and mine, this is us and our. And then, did you notice here, and forgive us, us, our, our debt, as we also have forgiven our debtors. The whole thing is in plural here. It's in plural. And it goes on in the same fashion in this second half of the prayer. And so, just looking at it without talking about it anymore yet, it's talking about us. It's talking about the family of the Father in our relationship together. And that relationship is primarily with the Father. We, we know His love. We revel in His love. We, we delight in Jesus, our elder brother, Lord of all, God from God, and yet 100% one of us. So we, we glory in God the Father and the Son, and we do that in and through the Holy Spirit, but also... And we'll see this especially next week, that uh, th this involves you and I. Um, th it's a relationship with each other. And, and so this is a relationship request, a relationship with the Father through the Son in the enlightenment and strength of the Holy Spirit and relationship with each other. Now, if you haven't caught it yet, let me say, especially to my evangelical and charismatic friends, this is not talking about salvation. This isn't you sort of get saved every time you pray the prayer. Nor is it the prayer of, what's that word that some people love to use, backsliders. This isn't those wailing sessions that people have every so often in some churches. No, this isn't about that. This is the children's prayer. Let me say it again. It was us children, sons, daughters, who would say our Abba, our Father. Children, sons, daughters say Abba, Father. This isn't for outsiders. This is for insiders. This is the children's prayer. We who pray this have passed from death into life. We have passed from darkness into the light. We have. We have been birthed from above by the Holy Spirit, else we couldn't be praying this prayer from our heart. It's our Father. You and I are those in whom the Holy Spirit lives. And says Galatians, he witnesses with our spirit that we are the children of God. So what are we talking about here? Okay, let's get this straight. The Bible speaks of the old man. And that can be taken in two ways that are really one. <clears throat> The old man is Adam, the first of the human race and therefore the representative of all who followed. Uh, we were all wrapped up in him. That's not just a theological concept, it's biological. Um, if Adam is the first, then everyone that follows biologically is wrapped up in him. 
And he's called in Scripture the old man because he, through the great act of disobedience, brought us into decay, corruption, death, darkness, to live under the tyranny of Satan. The old man, he did that. And we are in and part of him. And old man could also be understood as the old mankind. The old mankind, the, the human race as it came out of Adam and filled the earth and generations. That old mankind. And the heart of the old man, hear me, the heart, the, the, the will, the outflowing energy of old man is disobedience. That is, to put it another way, you shall be as God, self for myself, do it my way, independent, and, and actually God looks almost mad sometimes. You know, it says in Romans, speaking of this old man, the old mankind, the world system, it says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, blithering idiots. That's what, it is. They're, they're, what they called wisdom was absolute nuts, insanity. Listen to the news tonight, you'll understand why. Um, so, so mankind had no place for God because if they, if the, the, if the wisdom of this world is in fact foolishness, madness, then to this world the wisdom of God's love looks insane. God looks mad, nuts. They want no part of him. Or as John says, mankind loves, loves darkness rather than light. That's the old mankind. And it was into that old mankind that the new man, Jesus, who is of us, of us, and yet utterly other than us in that he is God in our flesh. A new man came through the womb of the Virgin Mary and something started that had never been before. It was the man who completely, joyfully obeyed his heavenly Father. He was the first human being to thus obey his Father. He was the first human being ever to say no to Satan. He was the human who completely imaged, revealed what the Father was like, but revealed him in creature, human, action, words, being. And he, because of who he is, both God and one of us, could embrace us Embrace that old mankind and take it to himself. Enter into our death. And there in the middle of death you have what has not been nor cannot be 
which is one who is there because he's totally obedient to the Father. And his unlimited obedience negated the disobedience of Adam and he spoke into the heart of the human race that we are released, set free, Satan cannot hold, for he is our representative, has crushed him. And he rose out of death and carried us with him. And there began in him who has conquered death, put sin away, trashed the authority, pseudo-authority of Satan, there begins in him the new man, or the new mankind, which is made up of all persons who are united to him. You see, that's what a human was meant to be. I, I don't mean it's a jolly good idea. I, I mean when we were created, original creation, we were created, could I say, batteries not included. We were never created to be independent creatures. We were created to be in union with the Father through the Son in the revelation, enlightenment, strength, and power of the Holy Spirit. So a real, a real human is one who is in union with God the Son, and thus with the Father. So when the new man, the new mankind, you and I, in union with Jesus, then... We, we, we became who we're meant to be. And that's our identity. That's who you are. It's who you are. Or as Colossians 3 said, Christ, who is our life? It didn't say he gives us life. It says, Christ, who is our life? And that's, that's who we are. Now, please, I... Uh, I'm not, I'm not just shouting at a camp meeting. I am informing you in the authority of Jesus Christ, this is who you are, believer. You are child of God, which means the very genes of God have been implanted in your spirit. It's who you are. You are in this world. You're not of it. You are one with Christ, the new mankind. You are part of Jesus Christ who is showing us a new way of being human. That's what Christian first meant. And that new man in Christ, says First John, does not habitually sin or as your old versions of 1 John says, that he that is born of God sineth not. The, the F there means the habitual. You, you do not. So this prayer is the prayer of the new mankind. This prayer 
is what these people joined with Jesus and calling God Father, this is what they pray. So we are persons who do not habitually sin. I mean, come on. I know you've been taught that, uh, well, I don't know what you've been taught, but I know what I was raised to believe. You know, we are most miserable sinners. We're, we're rotten to the core. We're no good. Hey, get a new passport, man. <laughs> I, I, I remember when I first came into the States and they gave me my alien card and I was a young chap and I believe I had a crew cut, you know, cut almost to the bone, and, and I, I looked awfully young, and, and but that was my green card. Well, years later, and I was coming back from somewhere through JFK Airport, through Customs and Immigration, and, and I presented it, and the, the fellow looked at my card and then looked at me, looked at the card, looked at me, and he shook his head, and he says, you've come a long way, baby. Yeah, I'm no, I'm no longer that picture. That's not me anymore, you see. I, I, I've changed. Well, there are some people who, who look at the wrong card. They're looking in the wrong mirror. And, and they're saying, I'm rotten to the core. I'm no good and all that stuff. But I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. And you, you go among some people and they get very physical about it. And they start banging, I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. And they don't feel they've had a good meeting unless they've wept and cried and shouted and howled to God about the miserable nature of themselves. Will you please stop that? Look in the mirror of gospel. Look into the mirror of the face of Jesus Christ and know that your sin, that heart that will not obey God, has gone, buried with Christ. That you in, you, you in your very identity as a person, you are joined to Jesus Christ. That's who you are. You are. You're a new man. And I don't tell me you habitually sin. Don't hear you couldn't hang around the gospel if you did that. You don't get up in the morning thinking of how many persons you can hurt today, how many people you can lie to, how many people you can snatch away their hopes. You don't, you don't go around hating people. No, you're, you're a new person. And, and there's a life inside of you that cries out for, for being who you truly are for being that person that you are in, in Jesus Christ. Yeah, it, it's, it's who you are. Get, get used to it. You're, you're, this isn't being proud. You know, humility is stating the truth of who I am in Christ. Because I know that this new me is all the grace of God. It's all the work of God. But it's real. I don't habitually sin. I don't want to sin. I never plan to sin. Okay. Some of you might need to come back for this. But So what does it mean then? If this fellow that I've just been talking about prays, forgive us our debts. Well, look at the words here just for a minute. Forgive. Do not go to Webster's Dictionary to find out what forgive means. I'll talk more about that next time. But 
you go to the scripture. Well, actually, I've got to be honest, you'd have to go to how the people who first wrote this, how they understood forgive. This word forgive, in, in the language of the Bible, it means, and hear me very carefully, it means to send something away. So when Jesus had the crowd of persons when he fed the 5,000, after they'd all eaten and were filled, it says he sent them away. And the same word is used. The word that we translate here, forgive, is used to send away the crowd. Okay. It it, um, is also linked very strongly to that word release. It's used to the release of prisoners, the opening of prison doors and releasing people. Uh, it's also described by the word loose, loose him and let him go, loose, loose them, uh, take off their chains, take off their, their bonds. It, it could be translated for something to roll away from you, to flow away from you. It's actually used sometimes to describe divorce, when, when that which has been part of your life is no more. There's a divorce and sent away. Forgive. Tremendous word. What it's saying is, when God forgives, he sends away your sins. So so your sins, like a great crowd, go over the horizon, never to be seen again. You are released from its bondage. You're loosed from its chains. It has flowed away from you like a stream running away downhill. You've been divorced, you see, from all of that. Forgive. So where does that fit in with the believer? Well, it says, forgive us our debts. And as I say in another uh, part of the Gospels, it says, forgive us our trespasses. Okay, look at those two words, trespass. Trespass. If you trespass, you're going where you shouldn't be right? You know, you see a sign up on a piece of property, no trespassing. It means if you go into this property, you've got no right to be there. You've got no right to be there. Um, This is not for you. You don't belong here, you see. And so you've gone somewhere where you're not allowed, where you shouldn't be, where you don't belong. Um, Trespass. It means you've stepped over a line into forbidden area, forbidden property. You don't belong there. That's the issue. Okay, as to trespass. And debt, that's something you owe. And usually when you speak about it being a debt, it's something you owe and cannot pay. So what would put this together? This person that we're talking about here, the member and members of the family who call God Abba, they who do not habitually sin, but there are times when we step over the line into some place that we're not supposed to be. That's what it's saying. You don't live there, notice. It says no trespassing on that piece of property. Well, you don't go in there and start living there. 
you you go there and you shouldn't go there and you know it as soon as you pass that sign no trespassing you know you shouldn't be there and, and you don't stay there and a debt something owed nobody wants debt it hangs on you burdens you you don't want it you you want to be rid of it and pay it so so how does this new man in Christ trespass? What debt? I thought Jesus paid all our debts. What, what debt do we owe that we haven't paid? Look, let's understand it. Jesus totally, forever, never more to talk about it, dealt with sin in terms of it being that heart of unbelief he put away sin by the sacrifice of himself so sin is not to be understood as the breaking of the ten commandments i suppose it's helpful if you're really blind as to what sin is but john chapter 16 tells us plainly that now under this new way of doing things with Jesus in control of the universe, it says that sin is a person not believing on him. Sin is that you refuse to receive the completeness of the work of Jesus in dealing with sin. So sin, I say again, has been dealt with. Jesus stands as the living one whose very livingness declares that sin has been dealt with. I'm a new person, and as a new person I am learning, hear me carefully, I am learning to become who I am. Did you get that? Look, you might have come to Christ at 3 o'clock this afternoon. You, you, you might be a Christian of 12 hours, you know. You, you really hardly know which way is up yet. You're like, literally like, a newborn babe. But I can say to you, as I did a few moments ago, that you are a child of God. I can say with authority of God himself through Jesus Christ, that you are his beloved child and you are a new person in that you are joined into the new man, Jesus. That's who you are. That's your identity. But now you've got to learn to become who you are. In actual fact, and I, I won't get off into it, but this is the process of conversion. Conversion, we often say he got converted. No, in a sense, I'm still being converted. It, it, it's the pro conversion is the process of turning my whole life to be aligned into the life that I truly am. When I first came to the United States, I came on the SS France across the Atlantic. That was a long time ago when people traveled by boat. And as we came across, we were coming into Hurricane, Hurricane Donna, never forget it. And 
it, it was the the captain said I have to now turn the boat around right through so just turn the wheel it, it took us all of 24 hours to get that enormous boat to turn around and, and in, it was in the sense too late we we got inside the hurricane in the middle of the turn and, and I, I thought then it took, that's conversion it, it, it takes time to align our lives to something completely new from being a self for self I have now become united with love to be a giver not a taker not a grabber but a giver takes time to learn that good lord it takes time to change my language from whining complaining bitterness anger resentment cursing I, I takes the holy spirit mightily at work within us to change us change to become aligned to who we are in jesus christ takes time to learn how to love my brothers and sisters in Christ and then beyond them the whole world. For you see, loving God is not turning, doing a U-turn. You know what I mean? Many people say, I love God by just sitting saying thank you to Him. No, that, that's worship and it blessedly has its place, big place. But to love God is to love your neighbor. More of that next time. But you, you you just don't love God you love God said Jesus if you keep my commandments if you love me you'll keep my commandments that's the mark of the person who says I love God and Jesus said well if you love me then you keep my commandments what's his commandment it's really only one summed up all the other love one another as I have loved you And so, you see, there are times when I trespass, when I go where I know I do not belong. You see, I do not belong in the world of unlove. I don't belong there. It's not my, I am in the world, but I'm not of it. I say it again, the genes of God who is love is in my spirit, in your spirit. We do not belong in the world system of self for myself. Don't belong there. And the moment I trespass, I, I cross the line. I know. Why do I know that I've gone where I don't belong? I'm acting inconsistently with who I am. How do I know that? The Holy Spirit lives in you. And he gently but oh so definitely says, you don't belong here, get out of here. And I, any of you believers that have been in the way for a while have gotten used to his gentle voice. He never condemns, never condemns. Never all that stuff about conviction of sin and weeping and wailing. No, 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 no. You should get to know the Holy Spirit. He gently, but I say so forcefully, there's no doubt about it. It's a check within your spirit. Red lights go on all over the place. You don't belong here. You ever got involved in gossip? You see, you stepped over the line, got involved, you were sucked in. The gossip. And have you felt that 
sort of deadness come up. You don't belong. You de you're, you're pulling another human being to pieces with words. You don't belong here, you see. You've trespassed. Don't belong. You've stepped over the line. And the truth is, you don't want to be here. Not if you listen to your spirit long enough. You, you don't. You don't. Or, or anger has risen. I mean, that anger that would almost kill. And, and, and as soon as it does, the Holy Spirit checks you. And you might pursue it for a few minutes or whatever, but you can't get away from his gentle love voice that says, this isn't you. And debt. Paul mentioned that, I suppose, in a, I don't think he was commenting on this, but he says in Romans, he says, Owe no man anything except the debt of love that we owe to every man. So you're back to love again, that I, I am created, you see, in Christ to image him, to mirror him, to look at me. Amazing. Jesus said, he that has seen me has seen the Father. And the whole burden of the New Testament is that who sees you has seen Jesus, and having seen Jesus has seen the Father. You see, you will find scattered through the letters. Now, let me say this, and I think you, you know this, but the, the letters of the New Testament, beginning with Romans and Corinthians and Galatians and so on, all those letters that they wrote, they were family letters. They're like this prayer. They were not for the whole wide world. They're, they were family letters. Like one chap said to me once as he sat mocking the gospel, he said, I've read your New Testament, don't understand a word of it. I said, you were never intended to. You're reading somebody else's mail. They're family letters. And, and so to the family, Paul writes these letters. And in the letters, you will have lists. I don't have the time to go into all of them. But Ephesians 4, the end, probably beginning at verse 25, Ephesians 4 and going on through five and into six, actually. Um, and, and there, he says, therefore, laying aside falsehood. Hmm. And then verse 26, be angry and yet do not sin. Don't give the devil an opportunity. And him that stole, steal no longer, rather... Let him go to work, labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so he will become a giver, as he was always a taker before. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only words that are good for edification according to the need of the moment that will give grace to all who hear. So don't grieve the Holy Spirit, like I was saying before. Let all bitterness... Wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. What's that saying? He's writing to the family, and he is saying in this conversion process where you are ever, daily, being conformed to the very image of Jesus, 
It's time to put away all lying, all kinds of lying. And you know that's not only what you say. Uh, the Holy Spirit checks you on that. You know when you're lying. He says, no, put it away. And, and yes, anger's good as long as it's in a righteous cause. So be angry, but do not sin and never let the sun go down on your anger. Never give the devil an opportunity to mess with your head. And as for bitterness and wrath, now put it all away. Put it away. And instead, put on, make it part of your life, who you really are, kindness, tender-hearted, forgiveness. I think some of you have heard me use this illustration before, but I can't think of a better one. Around these parts in Texas, we often at certain times of the year find snakeskins. They're hanging from branches or bushes where there's a thorn or there's something that the snake could scrape on to get rid of the skin because the, the, the snake sheds its skin. It's always fascinated me um, because that's what this is talking about. You see, I cannot go to a person who as yet does not know their place that is purchased in Christ. They don't know that. They're still in bondage. And and I can't go to them and say, now just put away bitterness. And I can't do that because that's where they're at. That's, who they're, that's their skin. But when I am in Christ, that, and when I might step over and, and trespass and become involved in it, that is very loose on me. It doesn't belong to me. It's like a loose skin. Why is the skin of a snake so loose you can scrape it off? Because a new skin has grown underneath. I can't take the skin off a snake until a new one has grown underneath. And then... The old one is shown up, bubbling all over the place, and, and I'm sure it itches like crazy, and the snake doesn't want it and gets rid of it. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, we trespass. We go over the line toward our brothers and sisters, and we engage in bitterness. We engage in these other things, the slander and all that sort of nonsense. And, and then we, we owe a debt, you see, the debt of love. My love for God means I have a debt to you and to the world to love and give myself, to be kind and tender-hearted and forgiving one another. And sometimes the debt isn't paid, you see. And, and so he is saying, pray this prayer. We who want everything that is of the old way of life to just leave us. And it must leave us. Not only it can, it must. Because it's no longer us. We've got the new skin of Jesus that's underneath. And this doesn't belong here. And it's, we want it. Release us from our sins. You see, send it away. That's what he's saying. We want this forgiveness. Release us into the 
experience of living, being the full love of Christ in this world. And you see, of course, this is what the Father wants for us. That's why all this stuff of, oh God, I'm a sinner, I'm no good there. No, no, you're coming to Father, and Father's just delighted. You've finally got it. You've seen it, that this doesn't belong to you. You can ask to be released. And, and, and so Jesus said, when you pray, this is what the Father wants you to pray. Our Father, forgive us our sins. I'm not trying to twist the Father's arm. I'm saying what he told us to say. In fact, prior to forgiveness, according to 1 John 1, 9, is confession. There again, boy, have we gone off the rails there. You know what the word confession means? I mean, plain and simple, this is not rocket science. The word confession, it's a Latin, confess. And it means, if I translate it in, in a plain English, confess means to say together with or to say the same thing as, to say together with. So to confess sin to the Father is to say together with the Father what the Father says about your sin, including this uh, stuff that doesn't belong to us and we've trampled into. What does the Father say? Well, he says he doesn't like it any more than you do because he's put his mind inside of you. So you both feel the same way about it. So you can say together, yeah, I recognize it. I don't hide it. It's, it's, it's sin. It's not consistent with the life of Christ that is my life now. But also, what does the Father say about it? The Father says that the blood of Jesus Christ has already wiped it out. The blood of Jesus Christ has already released you. That's confession. You see, however morbid and terribly, oh, I'm trying to find the word. There's a, a religiosity about this. I've seen it too often. The, the, the more miserable I can look and I'm unworthy and I'm no good and I... Uh, We've equated sin with holiness. If I can find enough sin to confess, I must be a very holy person. <laughs> no, this, is, this request, there's none of that nonsense here. This request is full of joy. It is saying, oh, the joy that I can recognize what sin is and I don't want it. The joy of not wanting it. The joy of knowing the Holy Spirit gently nudged me and says, we don't want this, do we? And the joy of saying with the Father that I am forgiven and through the blood of Jesus. Is that shocking to you? This isn't howling. This is singing for sheer joy in the forgiveness and all that goes with it. Look, the prodigal son came home, do you remember? And he started off on his speech. I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I'm not worthy to be called your son. And I believe he suddenly got it. He suddenly got it. I used to think that the father interrupted him. But if you, well, I've come to see 
he got it. He's suddenly aware his father is hugging him, kissing him, crying for joy, laughing that he's home, he's home. And he realized the father hadn't been keeping a list of all the money the chap had taken and spent. He hadn't been keeping a list of everything rumors said he was doing. Couldn't care less about all he wanted was his son back in his arms and his home. And so he starts off in all the religion I've sinned and I'm not worthy. And he's going to go on, you see, to say, let me try to work this off. Make me your hired somebody. He stops. And at that moment, he accepts his belovedness. He accepts his acceptance. And I, I suppose as we pray this prayer, that ever increases. We, we never get fully used to it. We just dissolve into joy and heart laughter. See, um, what, what it amounts to is quick fall, quick response, quick forgiveness. See, religion wants to drag this out, sort of. So, so you you messed up today. Well, I suppose in two weeks you'll you'll have yourself back together again, and you've answered enough altar calls and said enough prayers after me and all the rest of it. No, this is the Holy Spirit checks you as you're talking at the water cooler in the office, and and the Holy Spirit checks you either saying you're trespassing or to point out love that needs to be given whatever and, and and if if he's checking you because you have avoided giving love or if you have trespassed into all that other stuff which is the old skin that should be sloughed off then, then I very quickly yes uh, <laughs> this isn't me and I thank you for showing me Forgive me, I, I receive the release from this. Get rid of this skin. I, re, I receive the release from it. And go on my way knowing. You know, you keep short accounts. Certainly you keep daily. Let, let the Holy Spirit survey your day. You see, this particular request is not about your relationship to God. That's forever dealt with in Jesus. What he's talking about is your fellowship. Because when I trespass, when I have a debt of love I do not pay, then uh, there's that nagging, well, it becomes nagging from our end, but there's that continual nudge of the Spirit. And, and then from my side there comes this sort of cloud I I know something's wrong and I, I don't want to deal with it um, no we, we don't, don't, don't hang around in that and, and could I quickly say here that this is the beginning of much spiritual warfare you see I have been saying when the Holy Spirit lets you know that you've crossed the line to where you shouldn't be to act inconsistently with who you truly are when you have not acted as you truly are and given love the Holy Spirit is always gentle 
Never does he condemn. He's not the condemner, he's the releaser. And, and so the Holy Spirit will gently, with great love, with great encouragement, point out to you that's not the way to go. To which we respond with the essence of this request. But Satan, see the word Satan means accuser, it means gossip. Satan always accuses you of sin. Some of the most religious people are under the tyranny of Satan's accusation because all that stuff that I have caricatured earlier when we're forever saying we're no good, we're worthless, we're great sinners, um, where do you think that comes from? Straight out of the mouth of Satan. Revelation calls him that, that he is the accuser of the brethren, the brethren, the brethren. doesn't bother to accuse the world. The world essentially has no concept of sin, doesn't even know sin is. You have to be in the light to see sin. Um, so you know, Satan never bothers with his own. He's got them secure. But he bothers with us and accuses and, and even tries to take up on the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit gently nudges with love then, then comes the accusing word, word of Satan you know how could you do that you really think you're a Christian who do you think you are you've got the brass neck to go and ask forgiveness for that how could you you're not worthy you're not worthy you're no good you're no good and many, 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 many times you'll hear that, but there's no object to it. That is, it's not that you did this or did that. It's just generally you're no good. It's that continual nagging voice in your inner ear that is always putting you down, always despising you. That's not the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit never puts you down. The Holy Spirit always tells you how incredible you are as a child of God, joined with Jesus Christ. That's who you are. Therefore, how could you do this? This is inconsistent with you. That's how the Holy Spirit does it. Satan says, you are no good. And they're a tirade. And, and it's, it's like falling into a sewer. And, and, and the rains are coming and it's just a relentless flood of... of words in your head no this prayer is the beginning of spiritual warfare in that it deals with real trespass real debt in a biblical fashion which is as I've, I've said very quick filled with rejoicing with great assurance and on your way without any thought of having to do some sort of work to prove you meant it you just go on your way as a rejoicing child and then when all this condemnation comes from satan you can hurl at him that the blood of jesus christ cleanses from all sin and you can tell him to shut up because you know who you are and then confess say the same thing as the father says about yourself 
that you're our beloved son that the Holy Spirit fills you and so on one last thing which will lead us into next time we get together forgive us our debts there is a sense in which we pray this for each other um, okay let, let, let's look at it from the Pharisee the ultimate religious position where it says the Pharisee prayed and in his prayer recited a litany of all the good he saw himself as I do this, I do this, I don't do that, I don't do that. And then looking across at a tax collector, he said, I'm not like him. That is, what I do for you, he would never bother to do. And, and so in the Pharisee prayer, he is despising another who he perceives as being less than in terms of spiritual life. No, in this we all take our place together. When I see a brother or sister fall into this sort of stuff, the first thought of a believer is that they're not less than me. I, I'm perfectly capable of being called across the line too. And so I can declare over them the forgiveness that is theirs in and through Jesus Christ and I declare over them that they are a child of God who might presently have slipped who presently has pretty big debt whatever but I declare who they are I, I stand with the father in putting my arms around the prodigal son and I do that in prayer praying this prayer I don't mean doing it to their face unless they ask for it, but in prayer. I, I'm not conducting a shame party with the Father. I'm not conducting a, a, a gossip session with the Father. I'm not telling the Father all the dirt on everybody I know. I'm standing with the Father who knows all of that and more than we do. And I'm declaring with Him who they are in Christ. And I'm declaring the blood of Jesus cleanses them too well I, I trust that this has helped you this is one of those requests that could release you from a great deal of condemnation and darkness I pray it be so and now the blessing of God who is love the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit fill your life and flow through you to the world. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.